Welcome back, everybody. Another edition of Tiger Talk, episode five. Victor Puskas here, your superintendent, Dr. Robert Hunt. Dr. Hunt, it's been a few weeks. How are we doing? We're doing. We're doing. It's a little cold here lately, but all is good. It's warm in here, though. That's right. Very warm in here, especially warm in the hot seat to my <laughs> left. We have a very special guest today to close out the month which is School Board Recognition Month, by the way. Absolutely. So we thought it would be appropriate to have on our school board president, Mr. Phil Rankin. Mr. Rankin, how are we? I'm doing very good. Thanks very much. You know, I, I wonder, I felt that heat sensation in this chair. I wondered what it was. <laughs> it's a real thing, folks. It's a real thing. Uh, right off the bat, have you listened to the podcast? Have you heard anything? How do you feel? You're in, you're in the seat now. You know, I have listened to it, and I heard you guys say that you have your up to like 180 listeners. So, I mean, I'm one of those. Uh, I'm listing up my whole family, so you should see about four more added after today. Excellent. <laughs> Get the whole family together, like it's the 60s around the around the phone, and, and listen to the podcast. I love it. So, if you could, Mr. Rankin, just provide us a little background about yourself and what led you to want to run for the school board. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. So really for me personally, you know, of course, grew up in a public public education background. You know, I grew up in Iowa, so I didn't grow up in Ohio, but I grew up in Iowa. And uh and similar actually, type of people, I think, right? Yeah, very similar. Very similar. Little less trees in Iowa, but other than that <laughs> a little flatter, right? Yeah. More corn, more pigs, but <laughs> but other than that, very similar. And actually, so my uh well, my mom actually has her master's in education. So she was always involved or some. She substitute taught at our school for a while when I was a little kid. My father worked for the state of Iowa. He was a state legislative fiscal director, which meant that it wasn't an elected position. It was appointed by the governor. And he basically would like analyze all the legislation coming through the House and the Senate and give the impacts on the budget, you know. So he dealt with politics a lot, you know, and was involved in the state house. And I used to go visit him at the state house. So even though he wasn't elected, you know, I always kind of got that background of, you know, kind of public service for my father and the work that he did there, you know, before he went back into private life as a partner in an accounting firm. So you have a background not only in education with your with your mom, you've got your dad fiscal, so I think that means money. Yeah. Right? Fiscal oh, yeah. money. Okay. And then a little bit of that political side of it as well. So it kind of all came together for you in running for the school board. Did anything surprise you right off the bat that you didn't know coming in and seeing how a district is run? Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, my, my background is primarily, you know, my bachelor's in accounting, a master's in economics and finance and, and then operations management manufacturing. So I've always been in the private world myself. So certainly one big difference, especially with an accounting background, is that the school, all the finances are done on a cash basis, you know, cash accounting and everything in business is done accrual accounting, kind of economic accounting, you would say. So that was certainly a difference. Other than that, obviously, the main differences of, you know, what is your mission in business? You know, it's to make money, you know, morally, legally, ethically, but to make money. And in the school district, I think that I bring a little bit of a different perspective to it is, you know, I see, you know, we have a lot of customers, you know, we're a, a board of board of directors, we give direction, we have a CEO that executes that direction within those policies. We have a CFO, uh, you know, we have a lot of employees, you know, which are also, I always take the perspective that I have a lot of customers in this world, you know, not only my family, you know, my friends, but, you know, let's say in the school board, 
okay, the teachers are employees, but they're also customers, you know? Right. In this kind of world, you know, people are very flexible and they can move very easily and, you know, nobody's beholden <laughs> to stay anywhere. So we have customers being teachers. We have our primary customers being, you know, our students, you know, getting them prepared. And, and of course, you know, the parents and the constituents, you know, everybody within the school district. So in my mind, you know, we have a lot of different customer bases that we're always, and that you're always working with. So I'm always trying to keep their perspective into mind. So that that's one thing that, you know, is just a shift for me coming into a school setting. And of course, having the biggest thing that I always think about is public meetings. You know, school board meetings right. are public meetings. You don't get to pull the business thing and like close the door. Okay, this is what I really, you know, right. you want to know what I think? This is what I think. You got to put it on the <laughs> table during the school board meeting or it, it's not going to get done. Exactly. Right? Which is, you know, which is fine, but it's just something to get used to. It's like, right. I, I have to be ready. It's like, if I'm going to voice my opinion, you know, my unfettered opinion in a school board meeting, you know, I need to be ready to defend that in public and that's fine. And that's, that's been an interesting and a growing process for me, you know, to be ready to like, to discuss those opinions, you know, because certainly, especially with a constituency as large as, you know, all the teachers and all the taxpayers, there are going to be differing opinions. Certainly, I can bank on that. <laughs> for sure. You got teachers, students, community members, parents. Right. And all those people may have different perspectives on, a, on an issue. Absolutely. And, and, you know, in a business, I can say, this is the vision. This is the way we're going. And sometimes your, your concern always as a leader is, are they falling in line because they want to or because, you know, they because I sign their paycheck because they right. feel like they need to. Is it just compliance or are they actually flourishing in their role? Yep, exactly. So obviously within this setting, I'm a little less worried about that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm usually believing that I'm going to get more of an unfiltered opinion, but that's all part of the public decision process. And you know, quite frankly, I welcome that. That, like I said, that gives me a different perspective, and that kind of helps me in my decision process. So what are, uh, you talked about, you know, differences and, you know, as you became in to, you know, become on the school board, what, what are some of the similarities you see between public and private? Because we always talk about the differences, but mm -hmm. what are some things that you see that uh, you've experienced and now you're a pretty seasoned board member at this point translate over into the public sector? Good question. Yes, there are differences, but there are a lot of similarities. Like I said, definitely the customer perspective. You know, you have you don't have to, but if if it's going to work, I think you need to look at all those different groups as customers. Um, the way that you manage the budget, you know, and I won't go down this, you know, long ways, but the way that you manage your expenses is much like a business, just because it's different accounting, cash versus accrual. I mean, that's a simple timing thing. So expenses are all the same. Expense control is equally as important in a school district as it is in a business, for sure. Just to point out one quick difference, you know, a big difference is in the revenue side. So in the private industry, you have your product, you charge a certain price for it, and you try to get your volume out there. But you can always adjust that price. So to draw the similarity in the school, we obviously, you know, we 
we get our revenue through tax revenue. So that's going to be coming in. The volume is going to be coming in for the most part. You know, most people pay their taxes, so we're going to get their taxes. However, that price component, it has to be voted on. So that's the levy process, you know, changing the rate, changing the price for people's property taxes. You don't get to tell them what it is. You get to say, we would like it for, for it to be this so that we can achieve X revenue because our revenue, once again, not to go down this deep rabbit hole, but our revenue doesn't change, but our expenses certainly change, you know, by inflation. Yeah. And Victor, I mean, certainly don't want to go down the school finance route because we'll-, we'll <laughs> That we'll sounds interesting. Yeah, you sure that sounds interesting? Uh, yeah. Tiger talk is not <laughs> the spot for that. But, you know, Ohio's funding formula has been ruled unconstitutional like four times. And it's not like this everywhere. I mean, there, in other states, there's mechanisms for school boards to, you know, increase revenue uh, at their level and or tie it, you know, there's formulas that tie it to CPI. So, what, you know, the growth is there. So you're not constantly having going back. So that I, I think is just a huge responsibility when you put yourself on a board to think through what am I asking of the residents? How much? What's the impact of that? And making sure that every dollar is stretched as, as far as can. And, and, you know, Mr. Rankin does a great job with that. So why do you, how are we allowed to continue if it's unconstitutional? Well, I, th I think because the solution is impossible. It's so difficult <laughs> to swallow. Um, I, I will tell you that, you know, there's work out there right now. It's Cup Patterson, you know, that's gotten some media attention. The, the problem with our current funding system is we essentially plop a bucket of money. The, f the formula no longer works and they mm -hmm. divvy it out rather than thinking about what does it actually cost to educate a child? Like, if right. they can, you know, if they start with an input based model, they're going to be, you know, it, it'll, it'll be better on the other side. Right. So, so they're guessing and saying, here's the amount you can have, but it's not enough. Yeah. And I, but I, I, I guess I have more hope now than I've had in 15, 20 years okay, great. about funding in the state of Ohio. And, you know, we're lucky locally to have Senator Dolan. He's a big supporter of schools and, and, and hopefully progress will be made. You know, it always comes down to dollars, like sure. how much is available and, and how can you transition where we're at to, to where we need to be uh, over time. But I think that work is, is starting to happen. All right, Mr. Rankin, what do you think of, of this guy over here? Superintendent, Dr. Hunt. There's only three of us, so the, for those of you who can't see, he's pointing to Dr. Hunt. <laughs> There's nobody else in the room. <laughs> you, want to, that, you want me to leave? That we know of. I mean, I don't know. They might be behind these stacks of boxes of uh, hand sanitizer. But yeah, what do, you, what do you think of Dr. Hunt? You worked with him, you know, more directly recently. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been the superintendent here for a while. Maybe you saw him on the outside looking in at that point. Mm -hmm. um, what has he meant to, to the board, to the district during your time? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question, one that requires reflection, <laughs> and uh, we like those questions on Tiger Talk. <laughs> absolutely, dramatic pause. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I would say in the you know in the beginning, of course, I, I knew him pretty much as a parent, so you know, my view is pretty pretty distant. You know, I'm not a guy that like jumps in front of the superintendent or in front of teachers or principals quite a bit. So, I mean, I was kind of in the background. So I, I just would say that I observed. I was uh, kind of connected to Dr. Hunt through a mutual friend when we were first looking at the facilities committee for the intermediate school. And my friend introduced me, which I hope and I believe is an accurate depiction that if you need some help in this area, you know, Mr. Rankin is going to give you a financial and strategic input and guidance there. And he's kind of, uh, 
trying to think of the right word, but I'll just go with an OBS kind of guy. He's going to tell you what he thinks. No nonsense. No nonsense. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) That's a better filtered word. (laughs) Um, And give you his opinion, and it's not going to be very political. I'm going to tell you what I think and what I really believe is the right decision. And working with Dr. Hunt, you know, knowing that it is a very, you know, being CEO of a, essentially superintendent of a school system, it is a large leadership responsibility. It is also, you know, a large, I don't necessarily want to say political, but as I said, you have a lot of customers to think about all the time. Uh, I would say that Dr. Hunt is, he's better at freezing correctly his thoughts than I may be at times. <laughs> right. He does a very good, he's very strategic in his selection of words, which is good. I, I admire that. You know, I've tried to learn from him over the past few years and try to take some of that in. It's been very interesting as I've progressed through the years working with him more closely as a board member and then definitely as a board president last year and and this year. And uh, and I hope to think, you know, it's been a, it's been a pretty good amicable relationship. Um, as I said before, I'm a, I'm a no-nonsense kind of guy, so I'd be interested in his thoughts. But, you know, if he asked me a question, I'd tell him pretty much exactly what I'm thinking. And, you know, I will say, you know, have we agreed on absolutely everything? No. You know, we're usually in the same ballpark, even pretty much in the same area. But, you know, I may be in seat 15 and he's over in seat 35 and I'll say, nope, I see this. Sounds like you got the better seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on the first baseline. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it's been a good collaborative process. He's been good to work with through that. But, uh, you know, very, very strong leader. We're certainly, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this, but we're certainly, you know, sad to see him go. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I lived in Chicago for a while. I know the Barrington area and I'm very excited for him and the opportunity that he's going to. So, right. It brings it up. Dr. Hunt has been, has been great, but now there needs to be a new leader. What have you and the board had discussions on, on what type of person you're looking for in that position at all? I'm I'm sure you want to get started on that process as soon as you can. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure you're aware at the last board meeting, we, uh, we engaged a firm called K-12 to do the uh, recruiting for the superintendent's position. Luckily, you know, Dr. Hunt gave us great amount of notice, the fact that we basically have this spring to look at it. But at the same time, other schools are engaging in a search at the same time. So, you know, there's really no time to waste. So we had to get at it right away, get a search firm engaged, and we're starting in that process right away. So, and we have spent a lot of time already talking about what type of leader that we want you know, and we can go more into that. But, you know, of course, a lot of the attributes, you know, are going to be a lot like Dr. Hunt. You know, what do you want in a leader? You know, you want a leader that's collaborative, that works with their different customers and constituents, that takes into their, takes their thoughts into, into consideration. But, you know, of course, is not, uh, not hesitant to take on, take on a position, you know, to forge a position out and, you know, Dr. Hunt has done a great job with that, you know, with especially, I know anyone, so a quick aside, when he won superintendent of the year, well, certainly a lot of the work that, uh, you know, that he pushed forward and, and the whole administrative team really pushed forward was kind of the one-on-one technology to student. And certainly when we hit 
COVID and that large disruption last year, last March, um, we weren't flat-footed. You know, we, we were in a great position Yeah, we with our a, one-to-one technology and our, our technology team. We, we really were, as from a teacher perspective. That's good for me to hear. That, that was my perspective. You know, that's what I thought. But uh, it's certainly good to hear that. And yeah, I, like I said, we can talk more about that later. But, you know, his leadership in that area certainly got us there. So in the next superintendent, we're going to be looking for a lot of those core attributes that you're going to look for in any leader, in any chief executive, if I may. And we're also going to be looking for somebody that's willing to forge their own path, take on their own risks, just because we're Chagrin Falls and it's a great school system. But you could go through several historical examples, you know, the fall of Rome, several others. <laughs> you can believe you're, and, and I, I'm an accountant, so I'm not the history guy, <laughs> but you can go through many examples. You know, uh, of course, I'm big into sports. I think of a lot of athletic programs. You can build up so much, but we cannot be- we cannot rest on the fact that we think that like, hey, we're here, we've made it, we're doing really good. Right, you can't just go through no the motions way. and expect to still keep that that high standard. Absolutely. I mean, we look at this as an opportunity. It's like, let's go to the next level. What do we have to do to take it to the next level? And, you know, I'm, I know Dr. Hunt well enough to know that that's what he wants too. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always been here a commitment to continuously improve. And that, that has to be, you know, a strong characteristic. I'm sure the board is thinking about somebody who's not going to come in and not change any, everything, obviously all at once and rush in, appreciate what you have first, but have that attitude that we continuously grow, we continuously improve, we continuously try to do things different and better for the, uh, the student experience. Yeah, and just to build off that, what, what do you think is the next step for this district? I know that's probably a tough question that, that requires a crystal ball that I don't see here on the table, but what do you think is next? I mean, we're, we're at a pretty good spot, uh, high achieving. Where do we go from here? Well, that's an interesting question. I would say that, you know, something something during COVID, you know, made me see it a different way. And I think, you know, probably adjusted a lot of our perspectives. I I remember when this, you know, obviously first hit and when we first got the order from Governor Dwine, we were shutting down the school. You know, Dr. Hunt was going out to address all the buildings. And, and of course, I talked to him that the day before I think it was the day before, and I said, "Hey, can I can I come along with you? I'd you know I'd like to be there to represent the board and you know to give them our perspective as well." And um, I know my message that morning and Dr. Hunt's as well was, "This is a big opportunity. You know, we've been going down this path of one to one. We've been going down this path of individualized learning. Uh, we hear people talk." We've been getting over the previous months board presentations about this is what we're doing with technology. It's like, well, welcome, welcome to the party. You know, <laughs> everybody's in it now and you're all jumping in the pool and not in the kiddie pool. You're jumping in the deep end. So we've got, you know, this is an opportunity. You, I mean, of course, a lot of life is perspectives, right? You could look at it and you could say, oh, my gosh, you know, the governor's doing this to us. Oh, this is so horrible. You know, and you could lament about that for forever. Or, you know, you can get on board. It's like, these are the constraints in which we're operating. You know, it's our job to put ourselves in the best position for our customers, for our students, for their parents. And let's deliver the best package we can and put them in the best position. So, you know, back to your question, where do I see us going in the future? You know, certainly we're we're migrating right now on a you know, daily, weekly, monthly basis of, you know, shifting back into this all-in learning. 
However, you know, we've learned there are some students and some families, some learners that learn better online. So some aspects of this are probably never going to leave us, just like you see that in the private sector. Okay, so many businesses, if that single location where everybody goes has gotten blown up, everybody's all over the place. Well, there's some parts maybe that you, you want to learn from that and you want to keep those aspects. So I think, I think that, to me, that's very interesting. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're talking about the Chagrin Falls Virtual Academy, yes. partially. <laughs> and a question I received from people I, I will not give away, uh, do you anticipate the Chagrin Falls Virtual Academy being an option next year? I know it's a little early, and, and I understand if you don't want to commit to that, but do you see that as a possibility going forward, or do you see next year we're going to try to get back to normal as best we can be? Interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> One that I anticipated, but interesting question. <laughs> I can't commit to anything, right? but I, I would anticipate that, yeah, as, as far as we have come with that. Um, and we, and once again, you know, we still have a ways to go. I think that, you know, the technology can still be improved. You know, there are still third-party providers which are upping their game to get that technology better. Um, certainly, we've seen, like I said, we've seen and we've gotten feedback and, you know, Dr. Hunt and the administrators have gotten much more, and the teachers, you've gotten much more feedback than I have. For some people, it works really good. I'll tell you, you know, personally, it was very interesting to see, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur, so I have a somewhat flexible schedule. So on the days that I would be working from home when my kids were all virtual, that was just amazing for me to see. All my kids in different rooms, all, all on their different virtual classrooms, you know, I'd hear music class going on in my kitchen, you know, math class going on in my daughter's room. And, you know, my other daughter's doing science upstairs in the attic, you know, and we can talk more about that stuff later. And it was just very interesting. It was a, that was a really cool experience to almost feel my house get transformed into a school during the day, you know, and then it goes away at like three o'clock. It's just gone. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, so the, you know, Victor, there's two things. There's just, is it is it the right thing going forward educationally to continue to offer that full option or a blended option? And we're talking about that. And there's the reality of COVID still. Right. I mean, as much as we, we're all excited about vaccines and, you know, but we also can listen to the media and know that odds are, especially with kids, we're going to be wearing masks and there's going to be people that may or may not be comfortable coming back next year. Right. We need to, you know, we, we need to be prepared for that. So we're having those conversations now, we'll, you know, eventually bring a, you know, a recommendation forward to the board, but it's, it's twofold. It's, is, is there a student that that's actually a better option for is the blended option, something that's better for kids and the reality of COVID still being here. And some people just saying, you know what, I'm not, I've I've kept I've tried to keep my kid away from it this long, and I'm I'm going to continue to do that. So you got you got those three things that play into it, right? So it may not even come down to what's educationally the best option. It may be we our hand may be forced, and COVID's still around um, to a point where we have to take the precaution. Yeah, and I think this district's always taken there's not one educational option that's best for all. And this is you know you, this goes back to that personalization piece a little right. bit. What what opportunities does this experience afforded us to look at that personalization piece, you know, going forward? We mentioned COVID, obviously, and and if you want to expand, Mr. Rankin, just how it's been 
for the for the past year for you, your family, the people that you know? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's affected my family just like I'm. I know that it has all kinds of families, you know, around the world. Certainly, um, you know, a variety of ways. You know, luckily, personally, you know, I've never had to deal with the deal with having COVID, and nobody in my immediate family has. Um, you know, certainly it's touched my extended family. You know, I had a, actually had an aunt uh, in her m- mid to late seventies, lives in in Missouri. You know, just like a few weeks ago, that passed away, and really it was interesting for me because it it happened so fast. Right. She got it on a Wednesday. My cousin went and checked on her like on Saturday. It's like, mom, you know, you're not you're not looking good. You know, we need to get you to the hospital. Got her to a hospital. She got transferred to Kansas City because she had, you know, liquid on her lungs, probably was catching pneumonia quickly. By one week later, that Wednesday later, she passed away. And she didn't have a lot of underlying circumstances. Right. You know, just that quick. So that was that was really shocking. Certainly it's affected my family with seeing my parents. You know, they're in their late 80s. One really cool. So some that's really the bad part of it. Right. Really cool stuff, like I mentioned, getting to see my kids, basically creating a Rankin family school going on at home. That was really neat to see. We used to have our attics. We live in an older house, 1905 house. Our attic used to be just kind of full of stuff. And at the very beginning, my kids and I said, you know, they wanted kind of a hangout space. You know, they're teenagers now. I have two girls in high school. So we took our whole attic and like took all the stuff, put it on the side. The kids and I did this. We moved a TV up there, moved a couple couches up there. That's an awesome space. I still love it uh, because it's in the attic. It's got foam insulation. It's kind of like a sound studio. You can't hear anything outside of it. So they can be up there and make whatever noise. Uh, the funny thing, I think, personally, is that, you know, it's all exposed beams. It looks a little rough. Of course, my girls are like, Dad, we need to pretty this up. We need to clean up these walls. <laughs> no, kids, we're going to rough it a little bit, all right? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. Haven't you ever seen that The 70s Show? Yeah. I'm like, well, they were in their basement, right? Yeah. And that looked, there was stuff all over the place, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's the way you want to keep this. Because if you make this really nice, I'm going to come up and hang out here with all my friends. And you don't want that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Appreciate it for what it does. Yeah, exactly. So that was a kind of a fun space that we created with the kids. And we've used it a lot, you know, a lot going forward. And, you know, even on business, it affected me for, for sure. I kind of have two sections of my business, some metal stamping, and then a mixing side, even mix a, a product that we founded. And, of course, the metal stamping side has been pretty down, like most of industry has slowed down quite a bit. It's like 50% of what it was. Luckily, we've been able to keep everybody employed, which has been really nice. But trust me, that's that hasn't been an easy thing to do. Right. Because, you know, like I said, they're my employees. I also consider them customers. You know, I also have a moral and legal and ethical responsibility to them. And then also our, our mixing business. I had an interesting experience at the very beginning. I got a call from a customer in Dubai uh, looking to buy this mixer, wanted to mix hand sanitizer and, and IBC totes, those big plastic 4 by 4 by 4 totes you see. I'm like, hmm, that is a great idea. So that night, you know, I basically went home, pivoted my Google Ads campaign, and bam, we like really got out in front of that market of helping to mix 
all the hand sanitizer. So that did so many things for, for us, you know, got us into a new market. It was a quick pivot by us. So you had to evolve as a business, oh. essentially, which I think a lot of businesses that have stayed successful have had to do. Yep, quite a bit, quite a bit. And it was, it kept all my folks busy. Plus, you know, and of course, when it was only critical workers, well, that's definitely critical. So it allowed our business to stay open. And, you know, you're you're kind of, you're working not only, of course, to make a profit, but it's, that's a, that's a lot of fun because you're working kind of for a higher cause. Right. It's like, guys. More meaning. Yeah. Than just mixing some metals around. You know, you got to, this hand sanitizer is important. Right. Exactly. So it, it really kind of catapulted our business. And we've, that part of the business doubled this last year. We've doubled five Great. years in a row. Great technology. And, you know, it, that's been fun. So hitting that segment was a lot of fun. Right. You mentioned you had two daughters in the high school. Um, and I'm sure when they leave Chagrin Falls, you want them to have a certain amount of skills, certain amount of experiences. Uh, so now you're the school board president. What do you want someone who's graduating from Chagrin Falls to have with them in their toolbox when they go out either to college or into the to the workforce? That's a good question. And, you know, I I think about that a lot because, you know, I was born in 1970. So I always think about when I was growing up, what was what was our focus, you know, and it was good. I would say my focus was to get a lot of tools in the toolbox, but it was to have a lot of different skills and to be able to pull them together uniquely. And I just, I look at, you know, my kids and other kids today. And I think especially, especially with social media, I think the ability to critically evaluate, you know, and kind of break down what you're, what information you're getting is so much more important than it was when I was growing up. Right. So I, I mean, I think, yes, giving them the tools and it's like, let's say to draw that comparison, I might've wanted to get out of school with like, Hey, the best wrench, you know, that best mathematical tool possible. But what do I want them to carry? I don't want them to carry like the best mathematical wrench possible. I want them to carry like, you know, to draw a comparison, like the best Leatherman possible. It's like this tool can not only like fix this situation the best possible, but it can evolve, it can grow, and I can use it in a variety of ways. So giving them an education, you know, I'm talking very conceptual, but to give them an education where they can critically evaluate, uh, make their own decisions and, you know, form out a strategy, form out a thought process and move forward. And problem solving, yeah, essentially. Absolutely. Sifting absolutely. through data, finding reliable data, uh, and then coming up with a conclusion going forward. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Spoken like a true science teacher. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm getting into the scientific <laughs> method here without right. even thinking about it. Exactly. All right. Here's a question. You know, we talked about Dr. Hunt having to find a replacement for him. If you're interviewing a superintendent, which by the way, I'm, I'm free. If you, if you need anybody else on that interview committee, <laughs> um, if you're interviewing a superintendent, you can only ask one question. The whole interview is one question and you wanted to get to know if they were the right person, what question would you ask them? Yes, that is a very interesting question because, <laughs> of course, picking an interview question is a, uh, is a deep topic. Because, sure. you know, what are you trying to learn? What are you trying to achieve? Hiring people, managing people over a few decades now. You know, I've had some practice and some has gone good, some has gone bad. So thinking about that, the most insightful thing, and I love this because, ask anybody in my family or people that know me, I'm into brevity. 
So I like that. I'm always a one-page guy. So if I could ask only one question, the question that I would ask is tell me about some risks you've taken on and how did that work? It's a great question. I would say this podcast and I'd say it's worked out great. So there you go. There's my there's my there application. You is that your <laughs> that's your application question? There's my application. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. It it shows you if they're willing to take a risk to get to that to get to that point of high achievement. And you have to take a risk if you want something in return. So I think it's a good question. Risk return. I mean, you're never you're never going to achieve something great unless you put yourself out there, right? And right. it's and it's uncomfortable as humans. That's an uncomfortable process. Sure. You know, as I'm trying to answer a question, if I have the choices, you know, answer questions that I'm familiar with and I'm unfamiliar with, certainly I I'm I'm a little hesitant to answer the unfamiliar question, but that is where you always see the most growth personally. Right. And you may get into areas where they failed and learned. You know, yeah. they may go on and, and talk about that, which I'm sure is, is a great something you want to hear. They've they, they made a mistake and they they learned from it and they're better for it. Because you want a superintendent, I'm sure, that's been through some things and been through some tough situations. Well, that's, a, that's like that fine line between risk and reckless, right? Right. Like, mm-hmm. is, it, is it measured? Is it thoughtful? Is it so you, know, you, you certainly don't want reckless, but that's a great one. Glad I don't have to answer all your questions. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Hunt, anything else for uh, Mr. Rankin here? I, I don't think so. I think he did a great job. Um, I would just say, you know, you, you mentioned it was School Board Appreciation Month, and um, I have really, you know, I've had the good fortune of working with a ton of board members, you know, over 17 years. And um, I just want to thank Phil for stepping forward and taking this role. I think there's a level of politics you deal with, but it could be a much greater level if people don't kind of understand their roles and in and, and, uh, and kind of act in, in a way that makes sense for the district. Uh, this guy always keeps the best interest of the district what's good for students, but also balancing his responsibilities to the community and takes it very, very serious. And I appreciate very much everything he's done uh, for me personally and and for the school board. So uh, thank you, Mr. Rankin, for uh, joining us and uh, all that you've done for the school and community. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being on Tiger Talk. You bet. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. I'm I'm one of the first outsiders, per se, to come in. (laughs) (laughs) I think you'll be back. (laughs) All right, take it easy. Okay, thanks. Tiger Talk, as you probably already know, is sponsored by our good friends at Ganley Chevy of Aurora. James Reinhardt and friends are going to hook you up on their line of Chevys, Trax, Equinox, Blazer, Trailblazer, Traverse, Suburban, Tahoe. You see, Dr. Hunt, I didn't just mention the Equinox. <laughs> That's good. They got a long line, they like to say, of Chevys. Probably have some trucks, too. Electric cars. I don't know. Um, GanleyChevyAurora.com. Find them on social media. Ganley Chevy of Aurora, your hometown dealer. I just think it's time to bring in the man that we keep talking about. I, th- I think that's an idea. <laughs> All right. James, if you're listening, uh, the bat signal or the tiger signal, I guess, has been shining. So there you go. All right. Before we, before we close out the episode today, wanted to give a shout out to Jan Hancock, administrative assistant, in the high school counseling department. She is retiring as of today. She'll be retired as when you hear this podcast. Um, Jan has been such an incredible presence in the high school. Uh, I know for me, I'm going to miss her humor, her, her sarcasm, 
And early on in my career, when I was trying to, to navigate everything, she was just incredibly supportive. Um, so Jan Hancock, we wish you the best. Dr. Hunt, if you have anything to add to that. Well, you know, I started in the district as assistant principal at the high school and then was principal. So, um, you know, Jan was here when I started and she has always been a rock in that, in that department. Um, you know, very professional, extremely knowledgeable, uh, big hole. You know, you talk about shoes to fill. I mean, let's be huge. honest. She's yeah. huge, fill, huge shoes to fill. So just appreciate all she has done and I wish her well. Um, with her family and enjoying retirement because if anyone deserves it, certainly her. So Absolutely. Jan, we hope you enjoy retirement. Um, we will miss you. Special thanks on the podcast to our photographer, Angie Jamison, our editor, Aaron Needham, uh, Mike Doherty, Ben Needham as well for helping out. For Dr. Robert Hunt, I'm Victor Puskas. This has been another episode of Tiger Talk. Tiger Talk.